when we attune uh, ourselves to Dhamma, we also attune ourselves to something natural. And remember that the, uh, the Buddha and many of the other great beings practiced a lot in the forest. Uh, and if they weren't in the forest, they were still in a very agricultural uh, environment with no machines and no electricity and no uh, automatic, everything natural. Sunrise, sunset, rain, seasons, day, night, birth, death, things growing, and so forth. Very natural rhythm, no clocks. So when one abides in such a situation, the mind has to be very receptive because we don't have the means to dominate the environment. We can't just switch on light, we have to wait. You can't switch off light, you have to wait. You can't control the heat, you have to just bear with it and receive the various inputs, pleasant, unpleasant, and uh, develop a mind that just has got that patience and that openness to allow things to change. Not able to, to so dominate our environment the way we have been to a good degree. You know, we just carve out hillsides and make a road, you lay down some electricity lines, you make light, and so on and so on and so on. You know, telecommunications uh, to just our, our will decides what the environment will be. Of course, that's, you know, the karma of that isn't so good because now, of course, uh, we're so damage the environment, it's going out of control and we're getting climate crisis and environmental destruction and, and then very threatening our own livelihood, our own existence. Mm. So you see the, uh, even on the outward level, both the seeming advantages, short-term advantages, but long-term disadvantages of uh, domination and control. Also, people in their lives can uh, practice or live in such a way that they have a lot of push and pressure to uh, extend their working day beyond seven or eight hours or six, seven hours onto ten hours and then work all day, you know, half the night and so on. And it's a very high-speed lifestyle. Encouraged, more or less, sometimes even you know, required to keep up with the requirements that the job or the economy or the life um, brings up. You get work-related stress and with that also a loss of relational possibility because you're too busy, people are too busy to spend time with the each other or their family and friends are quite lonely. So, you know, you get these statistics and certainly in some developed countries, you know, a parent, a father will maybe only get 20 minutes, half an hour a day time with the children out of 24 hours. Uh, that's... How, how, could you, how can you possibly guide and train and look after somebody in half an hour.
well, just um, put a, give them a give them a mobile phone, um, give them a computer game, uh, <laughs> uh, get them to sign up to Twitter and Facebook. That does it. <laughs> you know, so we just put a put a machine in the device in the hand of a five-year-old kid looking at his mobile phone and keeps them busy. So you know. <laughs> But what's the result of that? Yeah. People grow up not really knowing what relationship with another living being is about. Because the phone doesn't actually care for you. Yeah. And so sometimes people almost lose contact with what it is to be a a full human being. We become we become mobile phones, full of apps and information, but no no pause, no empathy, no feeling each other, sensing each other. And again, of course, uh, other people can we can have this dysfunctionality with other people, we can always have it with ourselves. Right, just do it, get on with it, get over it, next thing, then switch it off. <laughs> Go to bed, crash, get up, do it, plug this one in, here's an entertainment, here's a work project, here's a hobby, you know, plug, 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 you know, into, you know, Really, just what's it like to be in a body? Natural, organic. <clears throat> what's it like not to be just telling it, rushing, you know, dominating the body, but listening to it, the feeling of it? Not just the tactile feeling, the pleasure, pain, and the contact, the internal twinges, but also the rhythms of it. The breathing in, the breathing out. Uh, the sense of what a body does to walk. The rising of energy to lift, to steer, to place a foot down. The uh, whole feeling for the natural intelligence. The body knows what it's doing. It knows how to walk. It knows how to moderate speed and balance. He knows how to breathe in and out. You may not think that's that's such an accomplishment because you don't even probably don't even know what breathing in and out is. Breathing in and out is really got an idea, just open your mouth, open your nose, bang, in, bang, out, that's it. Till you begin to explore and put aside the map and just feel the different energies that gather together to draw breath in and the way the muscles change, subtle body muscles change and flex and open. Different parts of the body begin to open up, expand, you know, move. Energy runs through at a certain point. Process begins, that's about it, enough. Pause. Pause. And then relax, breathing out. Noticing the pauses. So this is a natural regenerative rhythm. It's not all forward. 
It's not all backward, it's not all standing still. It's this regenerative rhythmic process arising, pause, subsiding, pause, arising, pause, subsiding, pause. And that process, if it's um, in line with nature, allows the, the out-breath or the di- discharge energy releases, you know, what's not needed anymore, finished, stale, dead, oh, let it go, pause, you just open, wait, inhalation, brings in fresh energy, body opens to receive that energy, receive that effect, that's enough, pause, open, no pressure needed, no command needed, does it by itself, nature. When we have lost touch with nature, or you know, not really known it fully, lived in it, participated in it, almost um, surrendered to it, surrender, but followed it. And we have done. We still. We don't really get a feeling for that, or moderate our lives in that in that way. We don't pause. We wait. We get onto. We start planning the next thing, <laughs> or we wonder how we did in the last thing. We go back. Oh, was there? Oh, maybe it shouldn't. Good. Or, oh, it reminds me of something else I need to do. So the pause itself isn't really a pause. <laughs> it's just the time to plan, or <laughs> consider the past. And so the, the, this means it's not pure, really. We haven't really paused. Because <coughs> don't, we don't, we've lost touch with that. You know, we've lost touch with nature. We lost touch with discharge, the need, the absolute need to release, breathe out, let it go. Don't look back, just release it. Don't, don't think about it, just release it. Don't keep picking, don't keep stirring it, just let it go. <laughs> release it, good, bad, release it. Just release the energy. You know, because we don't really live with nature, even when we have, you know, sort of nature around, we treat it like a kind of uh, ornament. So I'll stick a tree there, you know, put a park here, that's it. You know. <laughs> Looks nice, but you can have it on a screensaver instead, then you can have nature in your own home. Always sunny and bright, mountains and rivers, clean, little bird flitting across the screen. It's cleaner than having this messy stuff outside. So we have a kind of think we're in nature, but actually it's an artificial theme park nature. 
<laughs> they think, oh yeah, I like nature. Yeah. Pretty. No, it's not pretty. Sometimes it's pretty, it's also deadly and vicious and uh, you know, frightening. And um, you have to be alert. And it's nourishing. But it's not, it's not something we can dominate, really. We can try, but it eventually comes into our own bodies are still doing the same thing, really. Sometimes they're painful, sometimes they're sick, sometimes they're full of life and bursting, and sometimes they just feel half dead. Yeah? And then they get and then they get diseases and break down. That's nature. What do I want to be with that for? Because you are with it. <laughs> you can't say, well, I'd sooner be with something nice and clean and artificial. Maybe you would. I can understand that. But you actually are with this. Right? You are with this, with the unpleasant and the erratic and the not so good and the bursting, as well as the smooth and the calm and the beautiful. And you, you are with it, that's in your body. So, in those cultures before they were able to, to have such a dominant effect, then people just write, this is where we are. This is where the Buddha, I notice this. And no amount of manipulation is going to change that. So, step out of domination, withdraw, disengage from that attitude. How do I live in accordance with this? Non-resistant, non-fascination dispassion maybe this place, this place of dispassion is the refuge place where the mind stops, pauses dwelling in that feeling nature moving on moving on, moving on it changes and that pause is the point where we can slip <laughs> out of the out of the grasp of it. Oh yeah. The, now the body only has these minor pauses at the end of the breath. The mind can enter a bigger, longer pause. Pause from passion. So the mind can the chitta can go either way we can get the chitta so that there's never a single pause moment. The body more or less has to breathe out. Chitta doesn't have to breathe out. It can keep going and going and going and going and going. More, next, on, next, more, more. Yeah, I want another. What about this? And what about that? And on the other I remember this. I've got to do that. I must do this. I just do that. How do I know? What is he doing there anyway? I don't see why we should. You know, it can go on and on and on until maybe crash. <laughs> And as you notice, the thinking mind can do the same thing, because they're very much connected. Thinking mind encourages the chitta to keep running on. 
because your thinking mind lives in the world of the conceivable, not direct experience. It deals, it creates conceivables which seem to take us out of the reach of nature. We can think about music, sound, uh, we can think about the past, the future, we can create, we can play chess games in our head, we can do all kinds of interesting things to get us out of this rhythm of arising, passing, and the vulnerability of it. In our thinking mind, we can be king or queen again. <laughs> the magician who makes things happen, plays wonderful games in their heads you know, for a while. Of course, sometimes the games aren't so good. They're rather miserable games. Accusations. Because it still eventually has to feed on the nature, on the mood of the chitta. That's the story of thinking mind. It can run so far, it can run out with luminous ideas, mathematical puzzles and paradigms, bursts of genius and creativity, no doubt. It can do wonderful things. And yet, it still is dependent upon the mood and the chitta. That is the tone it sets up. It rises from that, that emotional energy. So yeah, when we're interested, we're doing things we enjoy doing, we can think about it a lot, get a nice energy, flowing thoughts, interesting creative thoughts, interesting creative thoughts, and da, da, da. And at a certain point maybe it just starts to lose some of the fascination, and the mood changes, getting a writer's block, you know, these geniuses who get their creativity gets a block. Yeah. They, get, they can't think of the next tune, they've done this, they're frustrated. And then the chitta starts to get an unhappy feeling. And then the thinking mind then proliferates around that. The thinking mind picks up that tone, we start to weave, you know, stories of despair, struggle, conflict, aversion. Now, if you notice, uh, you read the accounts of a lot of geniuses, they're really very unpleasant people. <laughs> yeah. 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 People like Picasso, you know, arrogant, domineering, bullying, uh, misogynist, abusing women. Yeah. Other people drink a lot, take drugs. Uh, moody, temperamental, poor relational. Mathematicians, brilliant mind, just completely out of it as regards human beings altogether. Doesn't he hardly notice human beings who just live in their heads and actually miserable, couldn't bear to live with them. Because it's like this kind of demon, glorious demon of the thinking mind has seduced the heart. Um, runs out. Even if you're not a genius, you know, just fairly people who've got intellectual skills can find themselves, you know, really being regarded highly for their intellectual skill. Most these days intellectual skill is highly regarded, required. You know, exams, school, university, 
so on, to get strong intellectual skills and come up with quick, fast ideas and stuff like that. And, yeah, we do it. We follow it. And, oh, very good. That's good. Yeah, great, great, great. Uh, It's true. And yet... If you do, if a person does begin to look into their own heart, they're not happy. Not at peace with themselves. Got to keep doing a job. Getting results, getting on. And the heart is not being cared for. There's no father in the heart looking after it. There's no mother in the heart listening to it. We've lost them. Sometimes people never had them. Really, they're biological parents, but the real quality of what it takes to nourish a human chitta was never provided, not known about. Well, the best thing you can do for your kid is to give them a mobile phone, give them a computer game, and get them through school. And that's, I can understand that, but. You know, so you get a good career. Yeah. But we weren't born to work. We were born to live. And where do you get, who teaches you that? <laughs> who models it, who shows you we live in nature. We live and in human nature is very um, warm, empathic, caring. That's why we were so successful, unlike dinosaurs or lizards and so on. Because when we're dealing with the dangerous and erratic natural environment, hey, we better get together, you know, Let's operate together, otherwise we're not going to survive. Let's look after each other. Let's look after the kids, make sure the little ones are okay. You know, that natural empathy that becomes highly uh, activated and required. And then uh, there's a sense of collective and, and all that's required to maintain that collective, which means right now we don't agree, but that's okay. It's okay. Doesn't have to be a big thing. It's okay. Right now, you're stronger than I am, but it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. <laughs> you know? Don't have to feel jealous about it or frightened because that's just the change of seasons. I'm young, strong, one day I'll be old and sick. Now I can do it all. One day I won't be able to do anything. I'll just be, you know, incapable. So you don't really hang on to the bursts of success or strength or vigor or beauty that you have because you know it's going to change. And this doesn't become the defining characteristic. It doesn't matter primarily how smart you are, how quick you are, how strong you are, how nice you look, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Because that's just the surface changes. Beyond and throughout that, there's a human 
empathy of warmth and possible warmth and where the stress of isolation can be relaxed. The feeling of on your own can be relaxed. Yeah? A sense of something that listens to you can be heard and you receive the benefit of it. Not even somebody who agrees with you, but somebody just listens. And so you hear your own voice, you hear your mood. And as the listening person enables one to hear oneself, hmm, I think I'm a little bit annoyed about that. Because the listening person doesn't add anything apart from sympathy. That's, that's, can be, human nature can be that marvelous quality that allows us to know our chitta almost from the outside because somebody's standing outside it and we know it from the outside rather than just being involved with its moods and currents and thinking about it and worrying about it and identifying with it. The skill, the beauty of empathy and if you don't have it for yourself it's great when somebody else has it for you. As human beings, Kalyanamita, that's one of our primary resources and strengths. We don't have to be independent, which is again a feature of the uh, uh, developed world, because if everybody's trying to be a success and get on and get the good grades and da 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 da, -da and be strong and be better, then there's a sense of competition and get to the front and make sure you're at the front. So don't show any signs of weakness or inadequacy, just keep pushing and driving and become people become very isolated in themselves. And they think, yeah, great, you're an independent person. You don't need anybody, completely independent. You've got it all together. You don't, you don't need anybody's help. People who need people's help are pathetic weaklings. <laughs> They're also miserable and lonely. Uh, people who are independent are also <laughs> in deep distress yeah, once they recognize it. Because you don't have a refuge apart from success. And how long is success going to last? And how good does it feel? Seems to me that most people who want to think we're successful think... I just need to be a little bit better for longer. Not quite at the top yet. And I want to sustain this forever. And it isn't going to happen. <laughs> and, and then you're no longer so independent, no longer successful. You're going to need help. You need some help. Is that embarrassing? Difficult? If you're sorry about this, you have to help me. But isn't it rather... Oh, you know, an opportunity to not be dominating, not be in control, not be in charge, and just be grateful, relaxed. And you know, the beauty that we bring forth when we encourage and help each other. And so certainly as a, as a monk, one has to learn this. You know, you can give, but also eventually you're helpless. If somebody has to offer you food, otherwise it's not going to happen. 
you have no money, somebody doesn't take care of you, you know. Nowadays, and so you, and, and people find it enjoyable to be in that relationship. Of their simple efforts are meaningful, and the relationship is meaningful. We're not independent. We don't want to be independent. Independence means you're just stuck in your own head. <laughs> With your own sankaras and nothing to really refer to apart from your own emotional programs, your own psychological programs, your own thoughts. And um, This is called hell. <laughs> Even though not everybody realizes it until the crash comes. Mm. Nature and human nature. We're trying to return to the fullness of that. The fullness of human nature is empathic. Sympathetic, senses the presence of others, seeks harmony, doesn't want to be left out, doesn't want to be rejected, doesn't want to be cut off. It seeks harmony, doesn't like conflict, seeks harmony, seeks that peacefulness where it can steady, feel comfortable, seeks harmony. As a moral sense, moral, immorality brings disharmony, abusive, distorted, manipulative, greedy, domineering, disharmony. Uh, and the uh, danger of the confused mind is we can take, we can find that pleasant. People find power dominating other people, pleasant, enjoyable. They find power and status enjoyable. They find passion and excitement enjoyable. They find greed enjoyable. They even find hate enjoyable. The flush of passion is like a fire that blinds the mind. So we have to be aware of these dangers. And the great quality of empathy and morality is it begins to take us to a quiet, warm, sensitive place rather than the flash and flare of passion, success, gratification, revenge, I'm better than she is, stuff. Of course, much of this passion is masked under the surface. We don't really, because we, as personality structure, creates it puts a mask over these raw qualities. You look polite, make polite noises, polite sounds and gestures, and you think, "What's he really mean?"
And in fact, we put this even over our own moods as you sit in meditation or sit in silence and some of these where there's no, none of the stimulation, none of the getting one's own way or less of it, none of the control or much less of it, none of the ability to dominate or much less of it, bodies, what it is, emotions are what they are, the mental states are what they are, and you can no longer, you know, switch on a phone to get out of them. <laughs> You're there with it. And then the personalities, oh, put, try to put a mask over it, or it's because of that, because of this, because of that, because of this, or just suppress it, cover it up, try to stop it, stop it, dominate it, stop it. Uh, put a cosmetic on it, paint it up, fantasize, get out of it. Uh, but then <clears throat> the practice is just to feel, to go to the, to the fundamental quality of it. The feeling and the push and surge of feeling, emotional feeling is the citta sankara very simply speaking and that's the one that's the primary mover the primary quality the citta sankara that's the dominant dominant uh, the pr- predominant force in our lives and so we try to refer all of the attitudes energies liking disliking opinions views projections of others projections of oneself comes down to the tone of the citta sankara, the emotional tone. So the complicated ideas, the reviews, the scenarios, the little narratives that go on in the thinking mind, what's the emotional tone they come from? And uh, uh, if they're, you know, involuntary, just bursting out, you can be pretty sure that the tone they're coming from is not one of harmony. (laughs) Because in harmony there's not much to talk about or think about. So what's the tone of it? Uh, Agitated, busy, uh, negative, frightened, wanting, desire, uncertainty, doubt. You begin to reveal some of the qualities of these hindrances, hindrances, whatever causes it, whatever you think, the chitta at this moment is under the effect of the hindrances. And they've got a certain power, creative power. So what the chitta is wrapped in, that gives rise to the feeling the mood, the sankara, and that's got a certain power to it. There's an energy to it.
So I've noticed here in myself and others that when people have got a lot of uh, energy, uh, bright, energetic, be very, can be quite skillful and productive and creative, but also get powerful hindrances. Because <laughs> the energy of the mind is strong, so if it gets taken over by a hindrance, the, the aversion and the self-criticism can go on for ages. It's got a lot of juice in it. And all that energy is the, what we call the, the rising energy. You know, so if you look at it, it's being negative quality and very convincing. And the feeling of the negativity towards oneself, one others, one's sense of hopelessness can be continued. As it, the jitta sankara runs out and it's not running in accordance with true nature. It's just captured by a hindrance and then it goes out of nature into this virtual world where it just goes on and on and on. And it's rising energy. It doesn't know discharge. Because a person of power and vigor probably never thought discharge was that important. The only thing is to do things, get things done, get on to the next. They don't really know what releasing is about. Yeah. So I've been with people I've known with a lot of, uh, of energy, sometimes extremely distressed. I say, what do you do to relax? Oh, I go for a five-mile run. Uh-huh. And then what do you do? Well, I get so tired and exhausted that I just collapse. And that, wow. But that's not discharge. That's, that's pushing yourself to break down. <laughs> the system wants to discharge it doesn't know how to do it so you have to just go even faster until everything just collapses in a sweat and then of course when you wake up or get over it it's, you're back again to the same pattern because it hasn't, doesn't really know what discharge is it only knows you know, charge, 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 and charge to point of, of collapse, and then collapse, and then get up and do it again. It doesn't know the steady, graceful experience of discharge. And of course, this is what <clears throat> you know other people can can do for us. You know, so the good relationship is one where you you say your thing, and the person's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Mm. And that, because it's not creating anything or rejecting anything or adding anything, it creates a kind of an emotional atmosphere which allows the energy just to arise, be felt, and begin to recede. Because we've come out of the isolated, independent individual into something more harmonious, empathic. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And there's no answer, and there's no cure, and there's no should be this, should be that. 
There's no agreeing and disagreeing. It's just, mm hmm, mm hmm. Oh, maybe a little bit of karuna, metta, tone of, oh, yeah, that sounds difficult. Mudita, mm. oh, that, I'm pleased for you. Just maybe tones, but fundamentally always empathic. Never telling you what you should or shouldn't be. And that atmosphere oh, is nature, human nature. When we touch into that, Achitta remembers or begins to learn nature, human nature. It learns that there's a process which allows things to be heard because there's no going on, there's no going back, there's no lock, there's no state, it just allows things to follow their natural course, which is they rise and they cease. <coughs> and of course this is ideally what we try to cultivate or bring to the fore in meditation. I'm finding um, in many cases people don't know what that place of empathy is. They didn't, they never had it or they didn't have much of it. They didn't know what love is. They knew what passion is. They knew what fun was. They knew what liking things was. <laughs> they thought that was what love is, liking things, having pleasant things. No, you, that's not what it is. Love is just that fundamental empathy. At least this kind of meaning, really meaningful human quality to arise. It allows us to clean ourselves, to refresh ourselves, to be fresh, to let go of the past come out of the track of the jitta-sankara of the emotional habit and the arguing with it and the fighting with it and the despair over it uh, and the fascination with it in some ways it's neutral it's a neutral open place but it's not cold it's not stark and bare it's rich with something attentive, sensitive, I call it empathic. Now this rhythms of uh, the natural world with its human or, or, or material, these three phases of the energy, the arising energy, creates, generates, goes forward, the discharging energy, that which releases, softens, fades, and the pause, that which just open. And many people don't really know the discharge, they just know change to a different kind of stimulation <laughs> until you break down or until you go to sleep. <laughs> Well, they discharge in, to a degree, but not completely. And hardly anybody knows what pause is. 
open. Pause is a waste of time. <laughs> Pause means you don't know what you're doing. Pause means you don't care. Pause means you know you're ineffective, useless. That's what the conditioned mind does to, to it. As soon as you get a sense of pause, it's, oh, come on, do something. Come on, don't hang around. You should have an answer by now. Come on, come on. You're wasting time. People are waiting for you. You should be busy. You've got to get this job done. Come on. So look, I'm talking about three seconds pause, not an hour and a half. And I've sometimes taught this to people and say, oh, that's a great, great idea there. Great. Tomorrow I must think about that. You know, I'll write it on my desk. Pause. Just to have it there makes me feel comfortable. I don't actually do it, but I like the idea. One day I'll do it. But not right now, I'm too busy. So, well, um, could you take like 10 seconds? Yeah, yeah, just in a minute I will. <laughs> The energy is just driving, 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 driving. Mm. Now, if you're doing anapanasati, that cultivation, there's the breathing in, there's the breathing out, there's the pause. I thought this was kind of normal, but I've Talking to people, notice not everybody gets a pause. As soon as the out-breath is finished, the in-breath starts. There's no pause. Nervous system has been conditioned. You know, so it becomes physiological. The non-pause of our lives becomes embedded in the body. The body doesn't pause. It just keeps breathing out, breathing in, breathing in, breathing out, breathing out, just like that. Think, oh, really? You mean you don't get a pause at the end of the breath? No. Oh. Mm. Right. Well, <laughs> try some walking and standing and just feeling your foot come to the ground and let your, let your weight come down onto the ground and feel the ground receiving your weight. And wait as you get that foot coming down to the ground. You feel a sense of, first of all, the foot touches, then it feels the cushioning effect, the weight coming down. Yeah? And you notice there's a point in which it, the weight stops descending and it's almost like a subtle spring that occurs the body lifts the other leg. So, now if you do it fairly, you don't have to do it super slow, but do it so you're feeling, really feeling the, the effect of the flesh touching the floor and the weight shifting onto that leg and at a certain point in which all the weight is on that leg and then there's a subtle spring occurs in the other leg lifts it up you may notice that you may notice in your the way to cultivate it in your uh, mind which will probably involve your thoughts and your emotions is you have a particular 
mental pattern, thinking about something, thinking about something, and you're feeling not very good about it, and you just keep going with it. And in fact, begin to deliberately turn, turn the volume up. I'm a bit, a bit disappointed with her. I'm a bit disappointed with her. A little bit disappointed with her. I'm really disappointed with her. I'm very disappointed. She's really stupid. I also shouldn't have said that, but she is. Let's face it. She's stupid and lazy. Yep, let's turn it up a bit more. Stupid, lazy, shouldn't be here, waste the time. Come on, a bit more, a bit more. You know, complete, you know, abysmal human being. And at a certain point you think, this is ridiculous. <laughs> because it is. But you've, then that moment of recognizing this is ridiculous, that's a pause. <laughs> you go, what am I doing? That's a pause. The moment of recognizing it's because you're not in the sankhara, you're not agreeing with it, you're not disagreeing with it, you're not trying to make it go away. And a point in which you can no longer add any more to it because you've got no more energy or you've run out of, you know, the emotion has, has fulfilled itself. And then that, if you touch the pause, it's possible from there you discharge. It discharges because you've broken the spell of ignorance. The spell of ignorance is like a conjuring trick, like a magician's trick. The spell of ignorance is to keep your this mind, these sankharas, seeming like you, like it's your voice and your mind is doing this. And that's, that's the hypnotist. And to do that, it must keep it going at, at a kind of rate which you can manage. You know, I can manage to be reasonably miserable most of the time. I can be managed to be fairly miserable most of the time I can manage that. I can't manage utter despair for very long. It's just too, a bit too much. I, but I'm comfortable with a reasonable amount of sustained misery. <laughs> or I can be fault-finding. I'm quite good at finding fault for a little while. You know, then eventually I get tired of it. But I can manage fault-finding. I can find fault with the people, the decorations, the temperature, the food. What else can I find fault with? The, how about the sound? Find fault with the sound system. Find fault with the routine. Find fault with the water. Find fault with the floor. Running out now, wait a minute. Find fault with the thermos flask. I find fault with the... Um, what do you think? It must be something else. I've got to the end of it. Um... I find fault with myself, of course, that's good. But finding fault with everybody, uh, that's good, I can do that, find fault with myself. And then I've kind of exhausted it now, pause. Discharge happens when the spell is broken.
Of course, the most difficult one to break is the finding fault with yourself because with other things outside, there's only so many of them you can find. Like, there's only so many people you can find fault with. And then, well, I'm finished with her, him, that, this, that, and the other. But with yourself, is it pretty much boundless possibility for new things to find fault with? (laughs) Including your fault-finding mind. (laughs) So you can just keep that one going pretty much, you know, as a as a, as a normal, normal experience of fault finding if you're not doing anything else you can find fault with yourself you can find yourself not doing things lazy, find fault with yourself for doing things, frantic find fault with yourself for getting it right dominating control freak find fault with yourself for not getting right feeling abject failure feeling, find fault with yourself for not being calm yeah. can't meditate find fault with yourself for being calm impassive, don't care what's going on, and so forth. So whatever it is, once you get the fault-finding, the opportunities are pretty much boundless to find fault with oneself. So then, okay, let's do, let's do this really good. Let's really crank the volume up. You know, so you start turning the volume up. On any, at a certain point, think, this is ridiculous. <laughs> You feel the energy of it and the tone of it because the thoughts begin to become you've heard all the thoughts. They don't longer create much for you. You've heard them all. You've heard all the nasty things you can think about yourself. You've heard it all. There it is again. And you get to the tone, you know, anger, despair. You've heard, you felt that. Just had enough. And pause. Oh. Feels like this. The echoing, the resonance of moods and feelings in the heart. Oh. Oh. Metta Karuna comes up. Take a breath. Breathing out. Discharge. So you can use this natural body to help this mind. And the way the body, even however uh, difficult or stressed it may be, is a refuge from this mind which can become completely hypnotized or pretty completely hypnotized by passion, impressions, suggestions, words, ideas, self, self-images, images of perfection, images of this, that, and the other, moods, feelings. And the body acts as a place where you can touch, once again, the last piece of nature that discharges, breathes out. Oh. Pause. Breathe out. Wait. For the inhalation to happen. Again, often we're too fast. As if the sun won't come up unless we run harder. 
let it rise. Let your moods change. You know, sometimes like the weather, we'd like to be sunny, but now it's not sunny. It might take two or three days before it gets sunny. Just bear with it. Non-reactive. So in this way, as we tune into nature, uh, we lose, we begin to discard some of the um, domination strategies that we've adopted. We return to the more empathic uh, qualities which may have left behind or not fulfilled or not been fulfilled for us, so we haven't really learned them. And we cultivate this empathic listening quality and we can direct that to our sankhara, our jitta sankhara. If the jitta sankhara is still hiding underneath the person with its reasonable, you know, moods, reasons for moods and feelings and reasons why she's not good enough, why da 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 da. You take the mask off, you see the raw quality of aversion. And you okay, bring it up, let's listen to that quality till it becomes something you can see, know, and you stop. Something in your mind pauses. It's just the quality, it's not a person. Pause. Open, sensitize and that's the possibility for these qualities to, like, uh, dissolve. Like snowflakes that drop on your hand, melt away, once you hold them. If you don't hold them, they don't melt. You have to hold them with a warm hand, then they melt away. And this we begin to sense body is a great resource for that, returning to breathing out, breathing in, walking up and down, standing still, pausing, open, no pressure, no success, no failure. Mm. This wonderful place where the Buddha lives, place of pause where the Buddha lives, where all his abiding is, from which he arises and to which he returns. So let's try and tune in to the way of the Buddha in direct practice.